Hello, Tara. How you doing? Hi, Rob. What's happening today? Uh, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Weather's great outside. I'm anxious to get out. How are those boys of yours? Uh, they're well. They're good. They're good. College son is uh, living living large, and younger son is doing great. My oldest. What's happening with you? My oldest turned 28 yesterday. I'm feeling a little old. Holy feeling moly! Old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, so what's uh, happening today on our on our show? I'm excited. I'm excited about our show. We got an excellent guest. I. I I really uh, am excited because I don't know a whole lot about her, so I'm really excited to get to learn about our guest today, which is Crystal Brew. So, Crystal, yeah. are you there? Do we, I see you. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Crystal, hey, how are you? I am good. I'm excited Welcome. to here. Welcome to this little podcast, uh, this little mind thing of uh, Tara's and mine that have come up. So, um, let's get to know you a little bit. Yeah, so I want to tell what I know about Crystal so far, that she lives in the Lawton area, and she is the superstar at the Cameron University. She's the Department of Business Chair, so she's been there for over 28 years, and uh, obviously has to be super smart to be a Department Chair of Business. Um, where she teaches classes, but in the midst of teaching, she's also gotten her PhD online. Who would do that? Crazy in this virtual world. And um, has a background from Abilene Christian University. So I do have a question, Crystal, initially to start off. Where have you always been at Cameron? And no, and have you always taught? No, Rob and Tara, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. No, so there's a, um, a, a larger story. I'm actually from the East Coast. I'm from Virginia. I graduated there and I went to school um, in Texas, which was definitely a culture shock for me. Yeah. And, um, and then when I finished with um, and I would call myself an education junkie because I love learning and I love, um, I'm, I'm really never satisfied with just where I am. I'm always like, okay, what else can I learn? What else can I do? And so um, I earned two bachelor's and a master's degree while at ACU. And then my um, then fiance got a job in Lawton, Oklahoma. I had never been to Oklahoma before. Um, and so uh, I, I moved here and I started working at, with a government contractor out at Fort Sill. So Lawton has a, a military installation here. And so I lived there and then networking allowed me to move to the technology center it's um, when I first moved here, that's when I started um, as an adjunct. So I've been adjuncting at Cameron for um, almost 30 years, but full time, I've, I've only been here full time um, eight years and as the department chair two years. So there's, there's some story there. 
So I, I left government contracting and I went to go work for a technology center. And then I left the technology center after earning my PhD and, and came here to Cameron. So, so you have a master's in communication or master's in business? My master's degree is in communication, but my PhD is in business administration. So how and did I have you a bachelor's in business and communication? <laughs> well, how did you decide to also get the communication part? What, what triggered that? Well, when I was in school, I love the, um, there's a, my degree is organizational um, communication. So I, I love the, to analyze and, and look at the communication that goes on within an organization. And I had some college professors who um, I adored and, and loved to learn from. It is probably why I'm a college professor now is because I had a wonderful college experience. And in some ways I wanted to replicate that and kind of feed into students like I was fed into um, as a student. And so um, I always wanted to be a, to continue learning and I stopped after my master's degree and worked some, but it was always, I call it my midlife crisis. I went back to school to get a PhD. You have, you have a family and so busy, busy time. How did you balance doing the PhD along with the rest of your um, responsibilities? That's huge. Well, um, I don't know that I did it well. I, I tried to do the best that I could. Um, interestingly, my dissertation was on work-life balance. And I would jokingly, I, I actually looked at work-life balance of small business owners because in Southwest Oklahoma, small businesses are like the, the they really um, feed our economy. Um, so at the time, I was, uh, I, I would say that it was almost like uh, I, I was talking about work-life balance, but I don't know that I had very good work-life balance. I have the support of a wonderful husband, and my children um, were, were supportive as well. But there was some pain along the way. I mean, I have a, a little PTSD. My son was very young at the time and I missed his first. It just, it was not on the calendar and I totally missed it. Uh -huh. It was his first T-ball game. He cried, I cried. It was, <laughs> it was brutal. Um, but but um, I, I, I think now the, the beauty of this is teaching my own family about where's your passion and, and reaching mm -hmm. out for that passion. It, it will take sacrifices and mm -hmm. I'm doing something that I really love to do. So. I love that. And I see, you know, I think there is somewhat of a balance to say, I need to have my line of things that I want to do, but I also have to have the line of being 
compassionate with my kids and my family and knowing that I'm giving to them, but also know that it, you just have to balance. I mean, I love your your comment of sacrifice. It is sacrifice. But I can't always go to all of my kids' things, but I try to go to many of those things. But they also have to balance knowing that I'm not always going to be there and they get to learn how to handle potentially some things on their own. So, oh. It, it was good because I love to be a mom too and it helped me to set some... It, it did. I mean, my I remember helping my son um, learn to cook, and we instituted a every night of the week somebody else made dinner, which still allowed me to make it for the majority of the time. But it really developed a cooking skills and and cleaning skills and and things like that. So um, I'm I'm excited I don't know that I did it well but I uh, I think that at the end um I didn't sleep very much for several years <laughs> and our meals were not gourmet but <laughs> you know, well what so how did you how did you decide in your background that this is what you wanted to do? I know you said that you're from the east, you you landed in Texas for school. How did that happen? Well, I actually my um, brother, I have an older brother, there's just two of us, he went to school there and I went out to visit. Um, I actually was gonna go to school on, in Virginia and when I went to visit the university, the connections that I made, the interactions that I had with some of the faculty were um, amazing to me. And so um, it, it, I, mean, I, I just thought I want to um, learn in this sort of environment. I will um, I, I did, I actually worked for a couple of the professors, one of them um, when I got married to my husband, uh, our wedding was back in Virginia. He actually came to the wedding. He came from oh my goodness. to Virginia to be um, to be there. So, and I worked for him. It was it, it's a great experience. Um, I still have very fond memories of my undergraduate degrees and my graduate degrees. And so. Um, I don't know. It's just a good thing. And, and now I, I'm so lucky because I tried to feed into students like I was fed into. So I have connections with them. I had an opportunity. Um, this is off, off topic, topic, but this just kind of epitomizes why I like this. So I had students that graduated in 2019, so pre-pandemic. Um, uh -huh. They graduated in May and um, they went off to do great things, and I connected with them, and they invited me over spring break to eat with them, and since restaurants were kind of opening up, and, and um, there was just three of them, that, so we got, got together, actually four of them, and we shared a meal, and I just learned about what they were doing in the last two years. Um, and I left that feeling so energized because um, these are these are students that um, 
I really enjoyed connecting with. And they're all, some of them are, they started somewhere and then they got promoted and some of them changed directions and some of them, you know, they're, one's an auditor um, down in Texas. And it's always really fascinating just to connect with them and see just two years after graduation, what are the really cool things that they're doing? That brings me so much joy, so. I can imagine. I think that kind of answers a question as far as um, what lights your fire and gets you excited about it is that you, I hear you say the connection with people, but, you know, your background that's led to this and your current experience, but what else, what else can we learn about you that lights your fire besides that connection with your students? Well, I think I, I look at myself as a problem solver. So, and this is both good and bad. So when somebody gives me something or tells me something, my brain just starts moving and I start thinking, okay, is this a problem? What do I need to do to, to help? Um, how can I make this better? What information? And so, um, so I, I love connections. I love, um, interacting with students. But one of the things I think that uh, drew me to this position is, you know, higher ed is in, we're at, um, we're at a, a, um, a pivotal point of how to connect with students and um, how do we best provide an education to students and, and what's what is higher ed going to look like in 20 years? I think it's going to be very, it, it could be very different. And, and how do we want to go? And how, I want to raise the level of the HR profession and I want to equip students in order to be successful in that. But I also want to be mindful that the way we've always done things may not be the way we always do things in the future. So I look at it as like a, a problem, although it's not really a problem, but it's an opportunity. Um, so how can we best situate ourselves so that in the future, students still are um, ready for the profession that they are going into, that we're providing um, a pipeline of students to be successful. Um, and so I, I think those are the things that mull around in my brain what do you so i know that you you've um are connected with okhr and your local um chapter you changed the name since you've been there is it southwest southwest oklahoma yes. hr right so yes. um what are you seeing i mean you just talked about it from the from from a teaching standpoint and students what trends are you seeing that potentially change? How are you seeing that those persons that, you know, graduated in 2019, how much they have changed from, you know, you know, obviously we're, things are virtual, but just the quick, quick, I would assume, savviness of how to, you know, pivot and do things differently. What have you seen from, from your side of being a, a professor and, um, chair and, and working with students and then also working in your community of what people are needing? 
Well, I think, um, and, and it's really, and I'm sure this is in all communities, you have large employers who have um, l- large HR departments with many ex- experts in their, you know, their area of HR. Um, and then you have small businesses who you have a person who wears an HR hat along with enormous amount of other HR hats that, and, and we all claim the HR profession um, and, and we should, but the, the needs of organizations really vary depending upon size and industry and where they are in their lifespan. And um, so I, I think as an HR profession, Continuing education is so essential as one because um, even I actually listened to Rob's um, interview and enjoyed his story that he went through, I'm sure, along the way, just because of the transitions that he went through, that um, learning didn't end whenever he got out of school and you continue to learn and develop and and read. The other thing that I think... um, is that especially now with um, dealing, um, come, you know, hopefully coming out of the pandemic and the effects that it has had on small business owners, um, they are going to have to be even more savvy and, and intuitive. I think that entrepreneurism is on the rise. We're going to see, we're going to continue to see it especially young people have this strong desire, actually probably have a desire not to go to college at all, but just jump in and they have an idea and they want to make uh-huh. that happen. And uh-huh. I think that um, equipping those, those young entrepreneurs with the ability to do well in there, they know their um, topic or their, what they want to sell or their service um, but getting them equipped with the business side of things, I think, is um, an important trend. Can you real quick for me just uh, clarify your connection with the college and the HR p- profession? What's the what's the link there? So I at, here at the university, I'm a management faculty. Um, I, I teach HR management, org behavior. I, I teach a class called data analysis is where we use different metrics and learn how to properly analyze those um, both at the graduate and undergraduate level those classes. Um, Prior to serving on the state OKHR board, I served as the president of our local chapter and from that, it evolved to me being a part of uh, that. I, I served as the executive um, district director, my apologies, district director um, for the Southern region. And um, I currently I serve as the college relations um, chair. And that's probably a little self-serving on my part. <laughs> it's I, I love to continue to te- connect with practitioners so that I can almost be like the middle person. So if we have students who are wanting um, to connect with businesses, I'm like a networking contact and, and send them out. 
Matter of fact, right before I jumped on the call, I was sending an email to our management concentration students um, so that they can uh, try to get more of them to attend the OKHR um, Pathways Conference that's coming up in April, this month, because it is April, because I want them, I think that students um, sometimes you know, their bubble is really small and there's a huge world out there in HR and there's lots that you can do and there's lots of people um, and so making those connections I always try to uh, take students along. Does Cameron University have a, a an HR program or just a just a couple of classes? We actually have we do not uh, we have a bachelor's of business administration and within that, students pick concentration. So they can have a finance concentration, management, marketing. So within the management concentration is where I teach most of my classes. So those are the um, um, students that I consider my people. I mean, all business students are my people, but those management ones are my people. And we have classes in operations management, um, supply chain. So we have that manufacturing side of, of it. Um, and I've actually taught the operations management class. Um, and then we have more of the, the HR side. Very good. Now, um, do you have students come that say, I wanna be in HR? Or is that something that they discover later on down the road? What's your experience with the students there? I think that when they first come to us, they're not they're not familiar enough with it. Um, mm -hmm. They may mm -hmm. be if they know somebody that actually works in HR, um, but it's through the process of just attending classes that they begin to learn more about different types of positions that you can have with um, a manager. And I actually, um, my degree that I was a management, I was a, 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 I mean, this was way back when like dinosaurs roamed the earth. <laughs> <to school. laughs> there was what do you see? What do you see that students are surprised about from the HR, HR perspective? Because I think a lot of people don't, Maybe they do now, but initially don't look at it as a potential career. So what are some things that have that you've seen? Um, so kind of the first thing that popped into my head when I've taken uh, students to the OKHR conference, they um, are surprised how relational and fun, really fun, oh. our conferences <laughs> they, they really do have I think that they think that conferences are just an extension of a, a like almost a boring lecture that you're going to sit through in a class. Mm -hmm. And so they get there and they're like, oh, this is a lot of fun. These are fun people and these are interesting topics. And I didn't even think about some of these. So that's probably the first thing that comes in. The second is I think they have a real narrow view of what our um, profession is, and they're not aware mm -hmm. of the broad areas where people can 
um, focus on. So like it, um, if you are interested in training development, there's there uh, an element for you there. If you're interested in risk management, there's something there for you. If you're interested in operations, well, we have an, an area there for you. Um, and I think that they're both excited, but also um, scared about how much, it, how important it is for us to be able to speak in terms outside of HR. So we need to know marketing and we need to know finance, uh-huh. you know, accounting, because we have to speak that lingo enough to our, you know, we become the translators between many of the large business um, um, areas. Right. I, I think of, um, oh gosh, uh, Steve Brown, Steve Brown of him, you know, he is such the proponent of, let me walk around and, and talk with everyone. Let me make sure that I know their name. Let me make sure that I know a department because it is, I mean, I agree with you. Unless you know what your business does, how can you, how can you help promote or be on the same level as an employee whenever they're potentially having an issue and, or, you know, needing assistance or needing guidance. So you have to not walk in their shoes, but sort of walk in their shoes to be able to, to help them, you know, resolve an issue or help promote them or give them ideas of how they can be better. Um, you know, a lot of people want to potentially move up in their roles and, and knowing what the next level is, then that helps you have that conversation with them. What kind of training do they need? What kind of, you know, what kind of soft skills can, can help them be better? One of the things that I do in my HR class that I probably, that I think students benefit from and, um, and I really enjoy doing is every, every semester that I teach it, we do a live project and connections with OKHR has helped me. So we've done uh, projects for the Tulsa YMCA. We've done uh-huh. projects or, I mean, just all across the states, the citizens of the Potawatomi Nation. Um, so I need somebody at OKHR, have a conversation with them. Um, I often will reach out to them and say, hey, I, my students work on a project every year. So they're students and I'm with them. But if you have something that your HR department doesn't have time to do or need to do, or just want to have some background information or um, give us a project and we work on it. And we have done so many cool things um, where we've developed training programs or we've looked at initiatives to um, retain employees. Um, we've set policies, we've reviewed handbooks, we've done um, apprenticeship programs, we've um, analyzed stay interviews. Um, as opposed to exit interviews to find trends. Um, so I, I, it's really cool to get students to see what it's like to be in the practitioner's world. Um, and, and, I, and it just networks, um, it, it just uh, perpetuates this networking process because they, they get to do lots of different projects. So. 
I'm glad you reminded of that because I had forgotten that part. And I remember you talking at a OKHR meeting, or maybe it was um, about the student-led items that they had resolved. So let me back up and ask that question. If someone is listening to this and they have an HR project or idea that they need help with, how does that work if they connected with you? Yeah, they uh, send me an email, which um, or give me a call. There's lots of different ways to connect, and generally, I this is we take it on for a semester. Generally, mm-hmm. it's the second half of a semester, and because I want to equip the students with some knowledge, you know, some basic knowledge, and it's actually towards the end. I I break the students off into groups. I give them the project. Um, they work on it. The presentation, I invite the person to attend um, virtually. Oh, that's so great. They can listen. They can ask questions. Um, it's amazing that, I, and, I, you know, we get mired, as, as people who work, you know, in the office, sometimes we get very mired down in our thought process. So mm-hmm. it's exciting to give a problem to a group of people who maybe haven't had all of the um, experiences that we've had, but also they think very creatively and uh-huh. um, see what they come up with. And then we give that information to the, um, the business and say, okay, you, you can do whatever you would like with it. Um, this was just our project for us to work on. Um, and so it's, it's a great resource. And I'm always, the reason why I like it is because it it's always authentic. So whatever the whatever project that we're given, it's it's an authentic project that that students are working on. So they walk away with a, an enormous amount of satisfaction. And during the interview process, sometimes they don't have a lot of experience that they can mm-hmm. draw upon. But a question, you know, they could say, "Well, I you know I don't have." two to four years of experience. However, we did as students work on a project for whatever yeah. one is the Tulsa YMCA. And we, this was the problem that the, the challenge that was presented to us is they act as kind of consultants. Um, they, sure. So I think it gives them some really something um, authentic and real and rich that they can talk about during the interview process. Do you have any of those projects going on right now? So uh, we, we, we do have we, a recent last semester when we taught, we did the Tulsa YMCA. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a project for Hennigus. Hennigus is a manufacturing in Frederick, Oklahoma. It's even I know it's way off. They manufacture like um, parts that go on different um, cars, like the seals that go around the um, your windows and your um, the hood of your car. And so they were going um, to a. they were changing their policy on visitors who come to the organization and are able to come in. And so they wanted us to, we, I, um, we took a group of students and 
um, looked at the organization and then are working on a policy to um, help with uh, the visitors, like, like what it, it will eventually go into their employee handbook. So that's what happens a lot of times is somebody says, okay, we want a smoking policy or we need this sort of policy, but we don't know all the legal elements behind it. And so can you help us take a look at that? So COVID has made it very difficult as, as well. Um, I love life projects, but we did have to go to a virtual um, project uh, last semester. So I'm looking forward to, as we move forward to uh, do some um, initiatives. Another project we did for the um, uh, it, a wellness initiative. So an organization wanted to develop a wellness program. So what things need to be a part of that program? I love how you said the comment of the students may not have some of the experience in something, but they're giving a solution. And Crystal, you and I have this connection about talking about books that we've read something. And I can't remember which book I read this in, but I read something that said many times the person, if they're giving a problem, so the example was they gave a problem that was a biology problem, and they gave it to biology experts, but then they also gave it to, I don't know, psychology experts, you know, just a different science. But the group that solved the problem were the psychology group, not the biology group, which that was their expertise, because they're coming at it in a different, a different way. And I, I love that because your students are probably giving a great solution because, like what you already mentioned, people are mired in in what they what they do and they're not thinking in a different way so i love that you've given them that opportunity and for as businesses that we could potentially connect with you to say here's our problem yeah I, it's i love it um i'm always looking for somebody usually i'm walking around the state conference going hey you have any problems you want us to look at because this is what <laughs> what i do um, and again, I said, I'm a problem solver. That's how I look at myself. So give me a problem. Let me take a look at it. You've already mentioned the ways that you volunteered with OKHR and SHRM, but how did you get involved? How did you say this is a group I want to be involved with? Um, and I, I've always worked in an HR role looking back, but I, I did didn't always have that HR title. And it was probably in the late 90s that I decided um, I, I really wanted to identify with a group just for the professional development. Um, so I, I, I began to connect with them. At the time, it was interesting. It was, again, some, you know, self-preservation. When I worked for the Technology Center, I did recruitment for the school, but I also did employment services. So I worked with students who are about to graduate and helped, you know, just taught them the, the process, basically the job search process. And um, I did um, in 
created a job fair and had students kind of a forum, a career forum for students. Um, and, and it was great to connect with HR professionals because they had the time and space and energy to, to participate in those. And so it, through connections, that's, it, it started very randomly. And I thought, then I started attending the, their chapter meetings and I found some of the uh, professional development topics that we were covering the programs to be uh, um, of interest. And then I had an opportunity to present some of them and it, it just evolved that way. Because I had a management degree, um, it, it just seemed like, okay, I think these were my people. I, I didn't know who my people were, but now I know who my people are. Tell me about it happened your- happened organically. Um, tell me about your chapter there, there in Latin. So our chapter has, um, we, we have really embraced the virtual meetings and have had enormous participation in some of our virtual meetings, upward of 80 and 90 people, where when we were just offering our face-to-face, -face, we were maybe having 25 to 40 people attend. Um, so we meet here on the um, Cameron campus, where um, we used to meet here. We still um, we still use the, the campus when we can, um, which is great for me because I can say, hey, dear students, come over here and see this wonderful um, presentation that we're going to have, make some connections, that sort of thing. Um, so we meet every month and have different second second um, Wednesday of the month we have our uh, meeting and our we're composed uh, it's a very diverse group um, and we have HR professionals from the city of Lawton from both medical facilities here. Um, from the local utility companies to um, banks to, I mean, our, our, we have large um, employers as part of it and small single people, HR teams. Uh, it's a very eclectic, diverse group. And under Crystal's leadership, when she was the president, they already did virtual to a degree, correct, Crystal? We did. They um, were a finalist in uh, for for the Pinnacle Award at the Sherm National um, Volunteer Leadership. It was called Volunteer Leadership Summit at that point, but they were a finalist because you projected to Altus. Is that right? We broadcast our, um, we would have an in-person uh, meeting, but we all also broadcast to Altus and Duncan, which are communities about 45 minutes to the east and to the west of us. And so what happened in Southwest Oklahoma, um, you have just smaller communities where you have HR professionals and they want that connection. They want the professional development, they want networking. And so we started doing that um, even before, way before the pandemic. 
See, they were trendsetter, trendsetters already. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Well, the technology um, makes it. The technology what? Makes it easier now. Oh yeah, I, yes, and probably a lot clearer for mm-hmm. for persons and and easier to to jump on. Rob, do you have any other questions? I know that there's tons more, but we're also kind of bumping up against our our time. Let's get to the fun questions, Tara. I always like this part. I like this part, too. <laughs> so, Crystal, during COVID, what are, were you surprised um, to learn about yourself or something that you did differently um, during this time frame? Um. I think initially the first reaction was really, this goes back to work-life balance. It, because we all, we were working remotely and one thing that I didn't realize is the, and this is simple, but the commute that I had, I have, I only drive 20 minutes, um, and that's probably long for most people because I live in cash and I actually work in Lawton. That when I um, worked remotely, I didn't have that separation between work and non work. And I woke up and picked up my laptop and started working, and then I, there was just not that separation between work and non-work. And it, I had to, it was several months in that I had said, okay, I, I need to set some boundaries for my own personal um, mental health that uh, I start my work day at this day and I end right at this day, at this time. And I need to equip myself with some space, like where I used to drive home and kind of decompress I needed to do that. Um, I needed to find something else um, to do. I think that um, the virtual environments is great, but it's very hard to maintain connections. And sometimes when that happens, um, you know, our, our thought process is, it's hard to be team oriented when you're very much disconnected. And I think even though we have some great technology um, sometimes it's the, the connections that you make are, are very much more strained um, to just maintain them. We were doing, we were, I, I'm really good about teaching online. I taught in online before and I'd use Zoom, but not all of our adjuncts were as equipped to, to change as quickly. And so the workload just became huge. So from that standpoint, the big thing was you have to, you have to watch out for yourself. You have to create some, um, some space in your life for you, some white space, do some other things. Um, I, I, we have an open concept house, which I, we designed that way. We built it. I love it. But when all of my children and other people that um, were with us, I began to rethink my open concept house because my daughter, it was a dance performance major. We took up our living room carpet so she could dance in the living room. My other daughter is a music major. Oh, um, boy. So 
we had and and we live in southwest Oklahoma so the internet was not that great um, we paid for the best internet possible but we had to be very strategic and who could do what on on zoom at what time it was it was um, wow wow uh, busy and loud is what I heard <laughs> <laughs> what mantra do you use for yourself and like to share with others a question that I was not anticipating um, you know one of the things and this is an area of area of research of mine. Um, I have published some things on women in leadership and um, what are, how can um, organizations create positive, safe environments so that women can flourish within their leadership role and leadership development for women and men are very different um, I'm, not, I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. It's just different. And so I, I think for my mantra um, is that I, I believe that this is I share it with my own daughters and I, I share it with some students. I think that you um, need to find good people to connect with that are safe. Um, and when I say safe, I don't, I don't necessarily mean physically like, mm -hmm. issue, but um, the, the process where women take on leadership roles is really different. And I think that they, because they're much more relationally connected, it's important for them to connect with um, other women and with, with other like male leaders that they can process um, and learn and develop and so my mantra is find good people to connect with um, and you and I, I think you never know where you're going to get a great idea and you never know where that networking connection is I think you have to be purposeful about it um, mm -hmm. well trustworthiness the trustworthiness Right. And sometimes for women, connecting with people within their organization may not be safe because they may um, not want to be vulnerable and, and talk about their fears or concerns. And so they need to go outside of their organization to find somebody. And I think that's one reason why OKHR is good. Because let me tell you, um, chances are both of you have had a problem at work and you've not known how to solve it and you've had to reach out to somebody else. And you pick somebody that you thought, who could I ask this question to, to give me some good advice so that I can go back and do a good job. Right. It was, right. We don't have all the answers. We don't. Right. And so right. if you're going to be an HR, you need to make some networking connections. Yep. Absolutely. True. So I'm, I'm going to ask, may I ask a question? Sure. Uh, no, we're asking you the questions. <laughs> one-way street <laughs> ask away so tara and i um have this banter back and forth about good books that we enjoy reading um 
Regrettably, I don't. I mean, I read, I have to read in small pockets during what I call intercession or like spring breaks or because during the semester, I tend to read a lot of papers and a lot of research. Um, and that just eclipses most of my time. So I always want to ask, what books have you been reading? Or podcasts have you been listening to? Because I have mine. Well, I'm, I'm reading a book right now that uh, was provided by OKHR, actually, called uh, Never Stop Learning. And uh, it's right up my alley as I'm, you know, in the learning and development space. So I thought it was timely and it's, it's very good and impactful. Right on its heels is another book called um, The Artist Wave, who is a screenwriter and she writes and, and she's got a lot of tricks to help keep us in our, in our mindset. So I plan on reading that. It talks about morning pages and journaling and, and things and looking forward to that. Uh, with a lot of passion to see how that might kind of help align some of these uh, projects that I have going on in my day. Yeah, I love that the learning concept. That should be my mantra answer right there. Never stop learning. I'm in the education business, so yeah, it's good. It's really good because I'm reading it as well. It's really good because it's talking about, and I have to read um, books like that in little small chunks. I get a little bit and then I have to put it down and get a little bit. So I'm not, I'm, I don't know, about a third of the way through, but it's talking about um, in a teaching area, who, who's, who's engaged the most. You know, if the class is fun and all of these things, well, that's wonderful, but they're not learning unless it's in that hard part and they're having to figure it out. And then whenever they're having to figure it out, then, then that piece actually carries with them forward and that you always need to be in that learning mindset in order to kind of keep, keep moving. And I think that we always have to keep moving. If we stop, we're going to become stagnant and then whatever, I don't know. I think COVID for sure has just told us all of those things that we can't just keep doing the things the same way. We have to keep moving. So I'm reading, I'm reading that, Crystal, and then my husband and I just listened, listened on Audible, the Matthew McConaughey book, Greenlight, or Greenlight? Yeah. Green it's so good. It's so good. He has life. You can't even imagine. He has had life. And it's just, it's, it's telling you kind of listening to your inner voice to a degree and then, you know, making some, and, and I think a lot of times when you, I would say this, I, I don't know, Crystal, you can tell me differently, but I think if you're learning in a new career or you're just stepping out, you listen to other people where you may not listen to your compass. And so I think that was a good something good to hear for me to say, you know, yeah, you do, you do have an internal compass to tell you whether right or wrong. And sometimes we need to stop and say, you know, is this right or is this wrong? And listen to yourself rather than, you know, maybe sometimes outside. And then podcasts, um, I've told Rob about this and I know he's started listening, Smartless, which is so silly and kind of punchy, but it's, um, um, Gosh, tell me who uh, Will Arnett. Oh, said, they, Will they, Arnett. Will Arnett and Sean and, Hayes. Sean Hayes, and they are just goofy, and they give each other flack, and only one of the persons on there knows who the guest is. So it's kind of silly and off the cuff. So yeah. fun. 
twice I've been brought to tears listening to those guys and <laughs> it hasn't happened in podcasts. It's, it's really good. It's really good. Thank you, Tara. <laughs> yes. My pleasure. And but then also, the, the bonus of the Green Lights book, if you listen to the audio book, is you get to listen to it in the Matthew McConaughey drawl because he's, yeah. he's the one reading it. So Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, and, yeah, so Crystal and I, this is how we connect. I mean, truly connected at a, um, in D.C. is we just started talking about books and saying, oh, well, I read this in a book. Oh, I read this in a book. And we just bantered back and forth of things that we had learned. And it was so satisfying. Loved that so much. That's whenever I truly was like, these are my people. Right. We can talk about all these things. So loved it so much. Um, Crystal, I'm going to ask a Brene Brown podcast question because I love her as well, where she asks people, so now I'm asking you, what do most people get wrong about you? What do most people get wrong about me? Um, I don't know. I, I, um, I, 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 I don't know if they get wrong about it or maybe they don't make it an assumption about it. I um, love to um, do things like, so my favorite types of vacations are very active. Um, I went snorkeling in Alaska with my family. What? I know. Yes. Or did you freeze? <laughs> we were in those, um, those suits that are, like it takes you an hour to get into the suit because it's just, yeah. um, but yeah. So my favorite things to do are, I, I love, um, we rafted in Colorado. Um, we hiked up in Arizona um, in July. Um, we've been on a hot air balloon ride. I, I mean, I'm, I'm one that, I'm, I guess I have a little adventurous junkie. Good to know. Crystal's an adrenaline junkie. Okay, we got that. Have now. you jumped out of a plane yet? <laughs> no, but when I turned 50, I wanted to, I did indoor skydiving, which is safe. I would have probably done, um, um, but uh, so I did. Um, I, we have Don't, to you should do that. I should. I okay. should. You should do that, Crystal. I'm going to say the next time I talk to you, I'm expecting that you do this. I've done it. Oh, I yeah. wouldn't say I'd do it again, but I've done it. <laughs> I'd like to go places as well. I've um, I've climbed up the Eiffel Tower in Paris. I've wow. been to Japan, Hong Kong. Um I've been to um, um, Prague. Um, it's the Czech Republic. It was Czechoslovakia at the time. So if there's an opportunity for me to go learn about a different culture or experience something else, I'm all in. I love that. So, we uh, all need to do travel, for sure. Uh, we need to ask this question first next time. This could have been a very different podcast if a question had gone first. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can start it. Uh, we can put that at the very beginning and right. start asking now. So what, 
What TV show or movie are you recently obsessed with, Crystal? Or do you even watch television? Well, I I am not, um, let's see, I, I do watch some, probably more recently. But having young kids, they're always saying, oh, watch this, watch this, watch this. Um, but left up to my own, um, this is kind of boring, but I like HGTV because I'm, you know, when you're spending a lot of time in your house, then you start thinking, hmm, how can I remodel? Hmm, what can I do? What can I do? Um, and, and so I just actually re- finished remodeling our, we have upstairs bathroom. And so I, on a whim, I decided to, let me make some changes there. Um, I'm trying to think of like what, oh, so a few shows that I've, a binge watch um the last dance it's on netflix it's about mm-hmm. michael jordan and the chicago bulls um was fascinating to me and the reason why it's not because i miss i love the story the backstory but there's so much in that about leadership qualities from the coach um the operations that's what fascinated me about it um so the reason why I started watching it is my son bought, we got some new running shoes for him and the salesperson said that he loved that show. It was life-changing. I thought, man, if it's life-changing, I need to watch it. So uh-huh. um, I just I finished it. The Social Dilemma was another interesting Netflix. It's a little bit scary. It makes you think about your own social media uh-huh. um, activities and, and, and what you're doing. Um, so I, I will say that I just finished, if I had to recommend a book, Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, I like anything that he's written, but um, Talking to Strangers is his latest book. Did um, you read it or listen to it? I read it, but his oh. Revisionist History podcast is also a really interesting um, Crystal, if you have the opportunity, I listen to it and the the... They use actual wording from persons that maybe were written in the book, but they have from the people reading their book or from the actual instances, and it, it is very profound. It's, and I actually referenced that book yesterday. Well, I read it um, over the Chris, Christmas break. Um, yeah, and it was, I, I would not recommend if you've not read any of Malcolm Gladwell to start with that one, start with Tipping Points or Outliers or one of his other books, which is also really fascinating because, um, but it was, you know, I definitely eye-opening on some, um, the book that I'm going to read next, I've already picked it out. It's like I get ready for the next break that I'm going to have. Um, it's called Just Mercy. And it was, it's by Brian Stevenson. And he is um, a lawyer who started the Equal Just, Justice Initiative. And it's his story of helping, um, he's a lawyer, and some of the most, underrepresented people and some of the uh, so what's what's my next one that I'm going to read 
Interesting. Um, I'll have to look into that. So it sounds like TV shows that are that are currently out right now with all of the with seems to be a, a big theme right now. So for sure, need to look into that. So Crystal, how can people connect with you if um, if they have a project for your students or want mm-hmm. to talk books or want to hear other wonderful adventurous stories from Crystal? Um. So. So if you look up Cameron University, and that's an easy way, you can go to our website and it's easy to find me there. My email address is kbrue at cameron.edu. And I'm also on LinkedIn. You're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, So lots lots of different ways. I think that if you, um, geez, both, both you, if anybody connects with you, you can get them in, in touch with me. So I'm uh, available always. So. Okay. Well, Crystal, I, thank you so much. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I love this idea. And when I was, when you asked me, I, I automatically think, okay, how can I take this and morph it and do something like this with students? So, oh, we let's let's think about that. Yeah, but, Maybe we could have a student on. Yeah, that's why I asked about I the the project because it, it might be fun to talk to a, a class who just completed a project and yeah, that's one and stuff. So. There's an idea. Well, and we've had, I've brought in for my students um, because I think that um, it's good for students to hear that the, the story, like most of us didn't take a very direct route to where we are right now. Right. We, you, you take this route and you never know what this little thing that you're doing in this job will open up this and go. And so it's like, at the time, you never realized this is such a pivotal point in my career. Right. But at the time, it's like, I'm just doing my job. This is yep. what I'm doing. Right. Green so line. Students to hear that. So I always love, um, and, and students love to hear from somebody who's been in the field for a while and say, you know, this is, this is how I got here. Yeah. This is what yeah. I would do differently. And this is what I, my recommendation for you is. For sure, for sure, because we all have things that, you know, changed us and could have done differently or better or, goodness, wow, I was so lucky. And I think that, yeah, we all have impact. At the time, we think things are terrible, like, um, but it's those things that are most challenging where we learn the most and make the most difference. Um, yeah. in our lives and so if we if we, and learning is painful <laughs> it's a painful process right well you have been wonderful and I'm so glad that you said yes I think um, her, I'm glad that you researched us <laughs> to know that we want to, to just hear about you and so excited that you said yes and um, Crystal you I, I love talking books with you, so we need to connect again at some point, and we can <laughs> we can we can share each other's uh, most recent um, read or listen. So thank you very much, 
and I hope that we get to have some of your students on. So let's get connected about that. And um, I want to say thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. I enjoyed the time. <laughs> See ya.